Bill and Bob's bracket busting breakdown. I'm Bob. I'm here with Bill. What's going on, Bob? How are you? I'm good. I'm ready to roll here in the West. Um, we are moving on from the Midwest. Uh, for anybody who's looking at a bracket, the West region is the bottom right-hand side. Number one seed is Kansas. They're facing Howard. Yeah. Um, I think before we get into the games, I will just say, um, mentioned it on the other pod, but the West is best. Uh, I, 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 this is a, an absolutely brutal, brutal region i mean this is one of those regions where i honestly can say one two three four five six there's at least six teams that have a great shot of winning and could easily i would not be surprised if they came out of this uh region and um that said, so starting with Kansas, um, I think a lot of people are sort of pissed that Kansas didn't get the overall number one. It's it's actually kind of interesting because they would have been playing in Kansas City had they um, been slightly higher on the um, on the S curve. Yep. They end up not that high on the S curve, and now they have to play um, in the Western region. So. If you look at the bottom half of the bracket, who they could play, or even if you look at the top half of the bracket, who they would play, they've got a lot of these teams from the West, um, whether it's St. Mary's or we'll move on further down. You'll see a little bit later. But um, as much as uh, I think Howard, uh, it's a nice story. They made the tournament for the first time since 92. I think it's going to be a quick trip. Yeah, I don't think um, Howard challenges them here. Um, just to kind of further what you were saying, Kansas, um, the circumstances that got them potentially out of Kansas City were really Al- Alabama became the one, uh, the overall one, number one in many people's minds when Houston lost to Memphis and Houston dropped out as the number one overall. I, a lot of people think that that's the impact that eventually pushed Kansas uh, to the West region in general. Yeah, I think it is because that gave uh, Alabama the one in the South, which meant Houston is the is going to be your number one in the uh, in the Midwest. So without Kansas there in the Midwest, Kansas is in the West, and it's just it ends up being just a huge difference because it's it's like if if Kansas plays in that Midwest and you just flip, let's say Houston and Kansas, I mean it, Kansas has so much easier of a of a go than they do now e- even taking away the the fact that they're playing on the west coast in the um when it comes to the sweet 16 and the elite a game it, the you know they've they've still got to get by the teams they've got to get by to get to the through into the sweet 16 um we'll move on to the next game but um arkansas versus illinois a couple of teams that that i think had expectations at a certain level this year um, and for periods of time, they were there and then ne- didn't necessarily uh, fulfill them as the year went on. Um, a lot of Big Ten SEC matchups. We spoke earlier about Texas A&M, um, Penn State, and here you've got Arkansas, um, Illinois. So it'll be an interesting litmus test, this Arkansas-Illinois game at 430 as an 8-9 game to see how the other 7-10 and um, 6-11 games end up working out because there's a couple of matchups like that. Yeah, so this one in particular, um, Arkansas and Illinois. Arkansas comes in kind of limping into the tournament, having lost four of five. Um, and the Illini also losing four, uh, three of their four down the stretch. 
Um, so this is uh, an early tip-off. I believe it's a Friday. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. It's 4.30 p.m. on uh, Okay, so 4.30 on, uh, Thursday. p.m. I'm pulling it up here now. Um, Illinois, um, over their past, uh, let's see. They've been down at halftime for their last five games, and three of those games they were down by double digits. Um, and this is an early afternoon start um, compared to the eight or nine o'clock starts that they had been having. And over their fast six games, they're one and five against the spread. So although those te- these both these teams are kind of in a downward swing, um, that really stood out to me where I was like, okay, maybe this is one of those games, like I had said um, earlier, where maybe this is the type of game that gets Arkansas's offense going. They're a very good offense. Uh, they're a very good defensive team, but they're they can also be a good offensive team as well. Uh, Nick Smith, freshman point guard, missed 19 games, but now with him back on the court, um, they're a different team. They're a better they're team. Very different team. Yes, so, absolutely. Although they struggled down the stretch, you have to wonder if this is kind of like it's a tournament game you're obviously going to be up and motivated for it but maybe your offense gets going against a team that has had some bad starts recently um strong first half potential uh for arkansas in in that one yeah i so i really i like arkansas in this game um but it's again arkansas is a bit of a jekyll and hyde team so do not be surprised if arkansas shows up and lays an egg but that says if arkansas does get through this game, I really think Arkansas can give Kansas quite a run in the second round. Um, Bill Self just coming back. Uh, he, I guess he had to leave the team for health reasons for the uh, Big 12 tournament, but he's back now. Um, who knows how that motivates the team to play? What ha- what ends up happening probably has no effect at all, but something worth noting. Um, I would say Arkansas is, um, is actually a top 20 team in Kempom overall um played a very good schedule this year um and again i think if you look at the sec and you and you are a buyer of some of these sec teams like texas a&m arkansas even though i will say undoubtedly i think texas a&m is a better team than arkansas and sort of proved it throughout the course of the season they texas a&m i think finished second in the in the um, sec arkansas didn't even finish with a winning record but Arkansas is a solid uh, six spots above Texas A&M if you look at the um, adjusted numbers and the overall adjusted rankings. Um, So I really like Arkansas in the first round game. And then I like Arkansas to take Kansas down to the wire in round two. Yeah, Arkansas, just before we move on, just one last thing that I want to touch on. You you kind of mentioned it there for a moment. Um, Ken Palm Top 20. This region has, I think it's seven Ken Palm Top 25 teams. Um, just to Unbelievable. Show you, just to show you how loaded the West region is. Um, from there, we'll move to the number five. Um, this is another one of those Ken Palm teams. Um, Ken Palm, actually 11. Um, certain metrics kind of have been proven since Ken Palm was created where teams fit national uh um champion contenders uh st mary's actually fits that profile uh, is because, that uh because they are a top nine defensive team um and they're a top 40 offensive team um yep. so yeah st mary's definitely fits that mold in this one they are taking on the vcu rams which are not to be undersold either as they are a top 20 defensive team um 
So VCU. Yeah, it, VCU kind of has their. Um, they, they they remind me a lot more of the teams that Chaka Smart used to. Uh, yes. Pull out with VCU. They've kind of refound their identity as this hard nosed defensive squad. Uh, and those are always dangerous in the tournament. You know, they can they can beat anyone. And there's you know you watch these um, these five twelve uh, matchups, and those are the kind of things that you look out for. Um, but yeah, St. Mary's is a great team, and I think uh, I think that St. Mary's will be able to handle v, uh, VCU in this game. But you know, you never know if VCU happens to, to force a lot of turnovers. It's a team. It's a type of team that St. Mary's hasn't seen this year. That's for that's, sure. That's exactly it here for me. A very uh, kind of big contrast in styles. VCU, not that they want to get up and down the court, um, but more just that they're an incredibly good defensive team. Um, St. Mary's plays incredibly slow. Something that I've mentioned since we've been doing this um, pod is teams that play at that slow plotting pace yeah take the air out of the ball yeah tend to be um upset specials at some point uh virginia obviously the notable big notable one is the number one you play that slow if you get down by double digits it's tough to come back um but you know looking at st mary's they they have some offensive guys very balanced offensively four different guys in double figures logan johnson um they're their guy, uh, 52% from the field, 30% from three. They have a couple 40% three-point shooters as well. So St. Mary's can shoot the ball well, um, but they certainly will be challenged by the defense of, of VCU here. Um, VCU um, at forcing turnovers, uh, sixth in the country um, to go along with that 17th uh, defensive rating. Yeah. So who do you actually like in this game in the end of the day? You like uh, St. Mary's? So... You know, it's it's a weird one. I just St. Mary's to me when I've watched them the, offensively, they can they can really get going and yeah, they did, that's they that's did, the way I feel too. And even though you know it, it doesn't um, necessarily always bear out in the tournament, and it's a good it's a nice matchup because it's offense versus defense, and that's. Yeah, and you know, it, sometimes you people you, you want to say defense wins championships, sure, but St. Mary's is no slouch on that end either. So I, that's where I lean St. Mary's to to go by here, um, and I think it, it's when you look below it, uh, the four four thirteen is is another heavyweight in this one. Uh, it is. It's an, it's another crazy one. And every every metric points to this team as one of uh, a top five team in the country. Uh, UConn. They're the number four though, and they're facing number thirteen. I O. And, uh, and they they get to play Rick Pitino in the in the first round. It's like that that is not a cakewalk. Um, this Iona team, I don't know if they're if it's necessarily as good as um, they were the last year, or the year before. They did win their conference pretty by by four plus games, and then rolled through the tournament. But as I look at their um, schedule, they don't have enough um, games against other teams in the tournament that really like stand out stand out to me. Um, even earlier in the year, you know, I, I just don't see in quite enough, um, quite enough from them that I that I give them the advantage over Connecticut. I think that they have they're entirely capable of giving Connecticut a good game, and it seems like Patino's on his way back to the Big East anyway. So, those are, those I mean, are, that would be a hell of a way to enter. Those are the those are the rumors going around. Just to kind of further what you said, um, when I looked at Iona's schedule, two games that stand out. Um, were teams that just missed making the tournament. Um, they lost to Hofstra, lost to New Mexico, uh, Santa Clara, another team that they lost to earlier in the season. Sure, they rolled through the MAC, uh, but they just did not 
their non-conference schedule, they didn't play anybody, and they had losses uh, against um, you know any team. They had losses against teams that were you know just outside the tournament anyway. I, I will say they do have um, they do have some a very talented backcourt, um, and they have a, a big man who can rebound in Nelly uh, Nelly Junior Joseph. He averages fifteen and nine, so they're well balanced. They can definitely challenge. But here's the thing: the things that they do well are they rebound the ball well offensively. Well, that's also a strength of UConn. They're the best offensive rebounding team in the country. Um, and they want to play at pace. They want to get up and down the court. I um, mean, that's a classic Patino team. And but if, they, if you can say one thing about Patino's teams, you look back to when he took Providence, when he took Providence to the Final Four in 87, when he took a Kentucky team that had a bunch of bums on it and, and – well, they're not bums, but I guess they're the immortals now. But bums he took guys who basically were the last scholarship guys on Kentucky. And how did he make that 92 Kentucky team almost beat Duke? And how did he, he build that Kentucky team before he got Mashburn? It was they ran up and down the court. They were in better shape than anyone. And he's bringing that back. And teams like that are capable of doing weird stuff in the tournament. You know, if they start hitting some shots, they can run you off the floor. I, I, I don't think, though, unfortunately, that Iona is St. Peter's this year. Um, I don't think that Shaheen's Holloway St. Peter's team uh, is necessarily, you know, Iona. You know, it's the same conference, but it's just it's not. I don't see that that sort of a, uh, a difference-making team. That St. Peter's team ended up being a very good team. Like, that win against Kentucky was no fluke. They proved it in their next couple games. Yeah. Um, I don't know if if he has the horses to actually beat Connecticut because, like you said, Connecticut's a really good team. Uh, I will say the two things with this with both of these teams, Connecticut they lost in the first round last year. They have their the, their team is for the most part returning players, so they were there last year. They got knocked out in the first round. That has to be kind of in the back of their head. Iona they actually were they should have been back in the tournament last year. They lost I think in the first round of the MAC tournament. They didn't mm-hmm. even get to get into the tournament and open the um, way for that St. Peter's run. That has to be Putino's mo- motivation here is telling these guys, hey, you should have been in here last year. Don't don't miss your chance this year. So. I do think that they're they're going to give. I think it's a competitive game here, but UConn also has the potential to kind of put them away, um, you know, with their their inside to outside game of Sonogo and then Jordan Hawkins. Yeah, uh, Walter Clayton Jr. guard to watch. Um, he's uh, leading te- leads the team in scoring at about seventeen points a game in thirty minutes a game. Um, shoots it at a pretty decent clip, yep. uh, which is something you you like to see. Um, so, you know, if, if Iona does make some. And, and one last thing with him, shoots 95% from the free throw line. So if they do have a late lead, ball in his hands, not a bad spot to be in. All right, moving to the bottom half of the West region, we have the TCU Horn Frogs out of the Big 12. Uh, and they'll get the winner of the 11-11 game, Arizona State, or the Nevada Wolfpack. Uh, Nevada in this one. Um, I thought if there was one team I would have, uh, I, I thought ne- didn't necessarily deserve to be in, I would have taken uh, Miss. I would have taken um, Arizona State out. Um, perhaps a little East Coast bias by me. But um, but I didn't think Arizona State was was uh, good enough to have deserved 
and they were close enough on the bubble though that I'm not going to make a big thing of it but just based on on mostly that um, and I think Nevada's a when you when you get a team like Nevada that actually gets into the tournament as an at-large, um, even if it's a play-in game, they really take advantage of the opportunity because they're not a team that's customarily going to get in like that. Yeah, Arizona, um, definitely more of a defensive team than an offensive one, um, 28th uh, defensively in the country. 11-9 in the Pac-12 um, definitely is why they were on the bubble and in this game to begin with. Um, Nevada, on the other hand, was 12-6 and six out of the Mountain West. The Mountain West, um, for the most part, wasn't as good as it has been in the years past. Colorado State having a down year. Um, New Mexico was good at times. Um, and San Diego State um, was obviously the cream of the crop there in the Mountain West. Um, but, um, yeah, I think the story here... Um, just to move back to the to the lower seed um, is the succeeded TCU Horn Frogs. They have a guy by the name of Mike Miles who yep. is one of those guys who very much could lead a team to a Final Four run. Um, just statistically, averaging 17 a game, two boards, two assists, uh, only shoots 35% from three, but he scores he shoots 56% from the field. Um, and does a really a great job. I know his assist numbers aren't that high, but he is lightning quick, and he does a great job of getting guys involved and just keeping this offense going. TCU struggled without him, but with him on the court, they are a different beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there are a lot of people have him as a um, an under-the-radar pick to, um, to move into the Sweet 16, and it's entirely possible. I mean... There is so many different things that could happen on the bottom of this bracket. It is it is an absolute the uh, I would not want to play in the bottom half of this bracket. And and the metrics um, they're just outside of the Ken Palm uh, top twenty five at twenty seven. So really just shows how good they are um, as a six seed. They do have wins um, over can actually a blowout win over Kansas. I think that game was in Kansas where they won eighty three to sixty. Um, Big win over um, Texas also late in the season um, and beat Kansas State, who I had kind of touched on real quick, um, you know, that they, they're another strong team as a three seed also. So they have wins over high-profile teams in the Big 12. Um, I do think they get by either Arizona State or Nevada here. Um, I think both those teams are, you know, just they're exactly what they are. They're not 11 seeds um, to me like Mississippi State and Pitt, who both could be live dogs. Um these are really the two 11 seeds that they're playing on. They're playing tomorrow night on one or Wednesday night for a reason. Those two teams, I just, they're, they're just kind of ho-hum. If Rutgers or Vanderbilt was in, they would have been in this game also. Yeah. Um, Nevada, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to take Nevada in this one, but you know, nothing about them is particularly spectacular. Um, TCU just worth noting. Uh, they are a top 20 defensive team. Um, so if you see that in the in the first round game or in their second round game, that could be interesting. They force some turnovers. Yeah, turnover. Like you said, uh, top twenty defense, actually twenty fourth in the country in forcing turnovers. Uh, actually fifty ninth in offensive rebounding. Also, um, their big man who um, had missed some time, uh, Eddie Lampkin, uh, at a six eleven sophomore. Um, could kind of be a difference maker in the in the in the middle for them uh, now that he is healthy. 
Um, moving down, uh, just another loaded team. Top 10 in Ken Palm and every other metric website there is, BPI and all that. The three-seeded Gonzaga Bulldogs, probably better as a three-seed than a one-seed as they've been the past few I was, years. Bob, I was about to they, say the exact same thing. Uh, and I just – quick shout-out to my um, one of my alma maters, number 14-seeded Grand Canyon Antelopes out of the whack. The fighting Bryce Drews. Um, yes. Um, Gonzaga, just at this point in the season, kind of rounding into form here. They, they had their struggles this season. They certainly did. Um, they didn't look the part that everybody was looking for. And then down the stretch, they're now starting to seem – to be the Gonzaga who everybody expected. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I think an interesting thing about Gonzaga is they're far more of a mid-major team this year than they have been in years past. Um, and by that, I mean they're a little bit older this year. They've got some experience. They don't necessarily have the number one, number two pick like they have in the previous tournaments that we've watched them play in. Um you know, there's no Chet uh, um, um, Hayworth, and there's no, you know, they don't have um, Julian Suggs. They don't have, like, these these absolute stars. But the guy who's who they have who's been there for this entire run, he's got to be 35 years old, but he's still playing. And he was the guy who carried them last year in the tournament, it's Drew Timmy. Yeah, and their guard play, not to be undersold, is just more complimentary than they've been in the past. Like you said, with Suggs, they don't have a guy like that. But um, yeah, Strother and Bolton both are um, and are good Strother, guards. Strother can shoot the three, and Strother has some size to kind of alter things for against um, players defensively. He's you know his side can his size can kind of matter against smaller guards, uh, both on the offensive end and then on the defensive end. But just the guy I wanted yeah. to touch on was Rasir Bolton, um, just lightning quick guard, who you know not really statistically doesn't do a whole lot but he can get out and run and it's just a different element that you don't necessarily um expect out of this team because they play a little a lot more um half court basketball than they have in the past but bolton can get out and run on teams by himself um grand canyon interesting and and yeah go ahead so interesting matchup just because of how well um they take a lot of threes and they actually make a lot of threes um, yeah, I, I get, this is no cakewalk for Gonzaga in the first round. Yeah, Gonzaga's got a, a brutal, brutal run. They, and just they were not expected to win the WAC. Um, they were ten and seven in conference. Sam Houston State was the the better uh, the better regular season team out of the WAC. Um, yeah, Grand Canyon's here because of their their ability to shoot the basketball, especially from three. And those type of teams are dangerous. And we've, as we saw earlier in the season, Gonzaga is not necessarily this huge powerhouse that, oh, they're not going to lose to a um, a low seed like this. It's certainly possible. GCU is a live dog. Yeah. So here's where I would um, here's where I would uh, differ with that take. The one thing that uh, Gonzaga has that maybe only Purdue has in the country is a big man who can absolutely take over a game in the low post, like all over the place. His post moves are fantastic and he's a great passer out of the post. Grand Canyon does not have a lot of size. They are going to be coming at you with a very, uh, with a much smaller lineup. Um, Gabe McLaughlin is going to have the task of, of guarding Timmy. 
Um, assuming that they, they get into a little bit of man-to-man, I wouldn't be shocked if they end up in a lot of zone. And if they do end up in a lot of zone, then it's, you know, if Gonzaga's hitting their threes, this could be a, a cakewalk. But um, I, I, I think Grand Canyon's a good enough three-point shooting team that they might be able to keep it close for a while. I like Gonzaga in this game, but the reason I like Gonzaga is because I think Timmy gets... Um, McLaughlin in a little bit of foul trouble early, and then you're in, you're up uh, Schitt's Creek. The, and they have a wave kind of, of big men also who can challenge uh, in the paint because uh, Anton Watson right there with Timmy and Strother with his own size at 6 7 is a guy who could post up, like we said, smaller guards. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah. Timmy's one of those rare guys who uh, actually has a better shooting percentage from the field than he does from the free throw line something to watch out for as the tournament progresses he's really struggled with his free throw shooting it's up a little bit from last year but he's only about a 60 percent free throw shooter and he draws he's capable of drawing a lot of fouls so if he's missing free throws games could could turn yeah, on and that. um obviously potential to play hack a shack with drew Ch- with drew timmy uh, mm-hmm. we move down to the bottom quadrant um the number seven seeded um, Northwestern Wildcats out of the Big Ten. They face the number 10 uh, Boise State Broncos out of the Mountain West. So, Northwest, it, it's, again, this is going to be sort of a test of how legit is the Big Ten because they have a lot of the Big Ten and the SEC both have a lot of teams that are right in that they have you know that they're Purdue and they're Alabama and then they have a lot of teams that are are fours and above and and a couple sevens and a couple eights and a couple nines a couple tens and Northwestern is right in the middle of that pack um, I think properly seated but you know I, I, I could be wrong um, Boise State is a very interesting team this is they, they went a very, very long period of time without ever making the tournament. They finally made the tournament. I think they are looking for their first ever win in the NCAA. Yeah, so actually the real rock fight here as um, Northwestern and um, Boise 13th and 14th respectively in the adjusted offense and defense. Um, Northwestern really, they did not finish well. Uh, losing four or five, although they lost to tournament teams because they lost to Illinois, Maryland, Penn State, and then Penn State a second time. Um, But they do have wins against Purdue, Indiana, Wisconsin. Um, You know, they beat the teams that they had to also in the pact, um, in the Big Ten rather, by beating teams like Nebraska and Minnesota and not losing against teams like that. But um, it's it's really the the boo-booey and Chase Audage... um, you know, they're two senior guards. Um, they're going to go as far as those two guys can go because Northwestern just does not have a lot of offense, and those are the two guys that they lean on very heavily. Yeah, and if you're Boise State, you want to get out and start scoring um, Yeah. in order to beat. Because if you can get enough of a lead against Northwestern, you're going to have a very difficult time coming back. Boise State does have a very good offense. They're top 15 Kempom offense. So, and uh, I thought... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, defense, defense. Like defense. I said, 14th, 14th in adjusted defense. Um, and, um, yeah, they're, they're where they're susceptible is uh, opponents on the offensive glass, but that's not an area that I definitely – that I don't see Northwestern um, exploiting. Not a great offensive rebounding team. Um, I think they have an injury from Marcus Shavar, um, one of their senior guards. 
Um, I don't necessarily see that he's not expected to play, but I know he had, he had an injury, missed uh, some games down the stretch. Um, but yeah, I think this is uh, a rock fight. Um, yeah, and, and t- truth be told, I think this 7-10 matchup um, is not going to be the 7-10 team that moves on to the yeah, Sweet 16. And, I think that there are possibilities. We mentioned Texas A&M in, in the last pod when we talked about the Midwest, um, and I think they have a great shot at it. And um, I, I just I don't see either of these two teams, Northwestern or Boise State, getting past um, the team that was – until last week, my favorite team in the um, in the field, which was the UCLA Bruins. Uh, let's actually take a quick break. So yeah, I think I think uh, as we move on to this uh, bottom game, um, we'll see a, a, a team that I think is capable of winning the entire thing. So yeah, th- um, it's funny that we go from the defense of Northwestern and Boise State, and we move on to what is the top-rated defensive efficiency team in the country in uh, UCLA Bruins. They take on UNC Asheville, the 15th seed out of the big, who won the Big uh, South. Yeah, um, and UNC Asheville is actually a pretty good team. They can score the ball. Uh, you know, it's just un- unfortunately, uh, even without um, their their big man freshman um, in this game, I think UCLA can get through. And from what I understand, this is looking like um, the kind of injury that's going to be a um, n- not necessarily uh, the entire tournament. He might be out for the games this weekend he might even make the game be able to play in a game this weekend and then he there's a good possibility of him being back in the uh second for the second yep. weekend games if, if they make it adam, that far uh, adam adam bona freshman they're also right now um they have another injury from uh jalen clark he's actually out for the year six five um six five yeah. third leading scorer um and kind of their jack of all trades kind of defensive player i've just circle back for a second. UNC Asheville um, almost didn't get here, although they were um, one of the top two teams in the um, in the Big South. They had a major comeback against Campbell in the championship game um, to get there. Campbell was kind of the surprise team there, and then Drew Pember, um, the senior um, forward for UNC Asheville, their top their leading scorer at twenty one points, nine boards a game. He's actually a Tennessee transfer. So um, a high major player uh, talent wise there, um, but I yeah it's it's a tough matchup. Um, UCLA is as good of a team as there is in the tournament. Um, obviously Jalen Clark is going to be a loss um, on the defensive end for them, um, but they do have the senior leadership of Jamie Jacquez and Tiger Campbell. Um, and I think the thing here is with UCLA and you look at the bottom um, kind of quadrant, I don't think anybody has the size here. Um, at least in the round of 64 or 32 to challenge Haquez. Um Yeah, no, I, I agree with you entirely. I mean, Haquez is, Haquez is uh, averages over eight rebounds a game. He, and he's a guy who's been there before. We've seen him the past couple of years. Um, I think the, the game maybe a lot of people, myself included, are, are sort of hoping for is a, is a rematch of that uh that great semifinal game between UCLA and Gonzaga a couple of years back. Not the entire cast of characters, but Hawkes, who 
was took over portions of that game and Timmy being back there. That would be a really interesting matchup. The reason I say Bona is um, the Bona thing worried me um, when it, it looked like he might be out for longer than it, it looked like he is, is that they don't necessarily have a lot of that size depth um, with Jalen Clark out. Um, Jalen Clark can cover a little bit bigger with him out and with Bona out, it really puts a lot of pressure defensively on Akez. You wonder how that affects his offensive game. And and to UCLA's credit, um, they gave Arizona all they could in the Pac-12 uh, championship game. And Arizona is one of those teams in the field that has incredible size with uh, Balo and Tubelis and a variety of other guys. Um, you know, they're 6'6 six, six and 6'5 six, players. Um, UCLA hung with them and had a chance to win that game despite... Um, yeah, it was a very impressive performance, I agree with you. D- despite the, the lineup um, being very thin for UCLA. Um, but UCLA, like I said, the bottom quadrant, I don't necessarily see it. Um, I think Gonzaga can challenge them with with their size, but I think also UCLA's ability to turn te- teams over um, is something to keep an eye on even... Um, though they're a little bit thinner uh, with no Clark in the lineup for them. Yeah, so the UCLA game, if they don't have Bona in a potential Sweet 16 matchup with Gonzaga, I think Timmy could go buck wild. Um, I think they really, like Bona is their best shot blocker, almost two blocks a game, and it's just a big body that you can throw in there. Um, I think they would miss him significantly if they play Gonzaga. Gonzaga is the number one Ken Palm offense, UCLA, I believe, the number one rated Ken Palm defense. So, again, that would be a phenomenal, phenomenal matchup. I'm really hoping for it. But Gonzaga has the work cut out for them in round one and round two. Um, UCLA, I think, has a little bit of a better path. Yeah, so um, your thoughts here. I know there's just a ton of teams that could come out of this region. I'm high on UConn. I'm high on UCLA like like you also. Gonzaga, obviously, them and TCU also could go on runs. Um, my final four team that I'm kind of looking at at the moment, I think, is UConn. I think Danny Hurley, to a degree, um, I think has to be pissed about, um, you know, they didn't they stumbled in the Big East uh, to start, and it put them in a lower seed. They didn't win the Big East tournament, so they missed the regular season title, missed the Big East title, um, tournament title. I, I feel like Hurley really has to show if he's a good coach here in this tournament, and I think UConn could make a run to the Final Four. Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible. Like I said, there's there's six teams that none of them making it would really particularly surprise me. Um St. Mary's has the ability and the um, the peripheral statistics back it up to play with almost anybody in the country. Um, they're an experienced team. The St. Mary's can give UConn a lot of trouble. I wouldn't be surprised if UConn got out and beat Kansas and was we saw UConn in the Elite Eight. I wouldn't be shocked either, though, if uh, St. Mary's was able to beat UConn in um, in a second round matchup and UConn doesn't even make it to the second weekend. Um, that's entirely, entirely possible that could, that could happen. And, um, if you're Kansas at the top of that bracket, you know, it's like, you don't have an easy game after game one. You really don't. 
in in closing, I think that very something that you would very much agree on. Whoever comes out of this West region is going to be very battle tested. With yes, three, my gosh. With with four games underneath their belt um, against strong competition. Yeah, I think it. So it'll be interesting to see because it, it, a lot of this depends on how these games are played. Yep. It's you know styles make fights. Matchups. So, yep. so it, it'll be very interesting. I'd give. If I had to gun to my head, I think UCLA is the best team in this. Um, even without Jalen Clark, I think UCLA is the best team here. And um, and so I'm going to pick UCLA. But my number two team in this would be Gonzaga and then St. Mary's and then UConn and Kansas. And honestly, not a single one of them winning would utterly shock me. Um, I, I think from a stylistic uh, perspective, though, I think Timmy is um, – last year showed how well he played in the tournament i think he they have the potential to go on a serious run with him uh definitely true uh i'm bob i'm here with bill uh that's it for the west for now bill all right see you later bob